بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحم الحسلی رسول کریم اما پاتے الحمد للہ جنائی از دا نائنٹینتھ آف جنوری ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی فور So, to mention a few things now related to the subject matter. So, like I mentioned in a few reports, I, a few nights earlier, the deeds of the believer turn into some sort of a reality. And similarly, the sins of the unbelievers take a form. So, in a famous hadith, In Sayyih Bukhari, number 6514, uh, Sayyih Muslim, number 2960, Anas radiyallahu, he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, three things follow a dead person, eye to the grave. Two of them return, whilst the third remains. Yatba'uhu, ahluhu, wa maluhu, wa amaluhu. فَيَرْجِئُ أَهْلُهُ وَمَالُهُ وَيَبْقِي عَمَلُهُ His family, his wealth and deeds follow him. But his family and wealth return and his deeds remain. So this is the most famous report recorded in Bukhari and Muslim. So the Prophet said, these follow you to the grave. So how does your family follow you? Obviously, fulfilling the last rites. How does your wealth follow you? Possibly you may have paid for the shroud and the funeral procession, etc. And then your deeds follow you. The Prophet then said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, فَيَرِجِئُ أَهْلُهُ وَمَالُهُ His family and wealth return. وَيَبْقِي عَمَلُهُ His deeds remain. So, these are the three things which really are the cornerstones in everybody's life. His family, his wealth, and his deeds. So obviously, as Muslims, we always say deeds are the more important. But actions speak louder than words. How much time do you invest with your family? How much time do you invest I, to invest your wealth or to increase your wealth? And how much time do you spend on your deeds? So if your deeds are really that important, that should take a huge chunk of your life. But how much of your life does it take? Right? So note, this is what the Prophet is highlighting, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But there's another report. In Tabarani Bazaar, Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi authenticates it in As-Sahiha, number 2481. Abu Huraira, An-Nu'man ibn Bashir and others, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. They all related that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the example of a believer and death is like a man who has three close friends. The first friend is his wealth. And it says to him, take from me as much as you wish, I, whilst you live. The second is his family. It says to him, I am now with you 
And when you die, I will lower you into your grave. The third is his deeds. It says to him, I am with you now and will leave I the world with you. So he will say to it, I his deeds after death. In kunta Verily, I used to consider you the least important of my three friends. Verily, I used to consider you the least important of my three friends. So now, let's look at this. So this is an authentic report. So the Prophet said this is a Mathayal. This is an example. So he's getting, he's getting the message across to an example. But don't forget everything he says is revelation. So even if it's an example, it's true. So he said that you've got three friends. Your wealth. And how does that friend benefit you? It speaks to you. He goes, take from me as much as you wish. Meaning, whilst you live. I'm your friend as long as you live. Now why is this quite ironic? Because Hassan al-Basri, he said in Zahabi in his seer, how wretched a friend is wealth. It only benefits you when it leaves you. <laughs> so think about that. If somebody goes, this is my dear friend. So your first thought would be that, oh, he's, he's helping him. That's why he's a close friend. But then you hear this statement from the person. He goes, he's my dear friend. But he only benefits me when he gets lost. <laughs> what does that confuse you? Thinking, hang on a minute, how can he be your dear friend? And he only benefits you when he gets lost. And the response is, that's wealth. That's the funny relationship you have with it. So when the wealth is saying, here, take from me as much as you wish, it's saying, invest now before you lose. <laughs> then the second, the family, what does the family say? I am with you. And when you die, I lower you. Meaning, it helps you more than wealth. But, but how much? <laughs> wealth, you know, okay. But as soon as, it just basically lowers you further. It lowers you a few more minutes into the grave. And then the family goes, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> but then the Prophet said, the deeds. It says, I am with you now. I will leave the world with you. Meaning, even though you're leaving the world, don't worry. <laughs> I'm not leaving you. I'm not like your wealth. I'm not like your family. I'm going with you. So really, who is the friend? This is the friend. It's not a friend in need. It's a friend in need. So what does the person say to his deeds? In kunta ali. Indeed, I used to consider you the least important of my three friends. Meaning I knew that you were going to benefit me, but I didn't realize that you were the most important, i.e. of the ones who benefit me. So you judge finally, i.e. in terms of understanding. On the same team, the renowned Saint Hamdun Qasar, he was once sitting by a dying friend. So this is a saintly soul. One of his friends is dying. As soon as his friend died, Hamdun Qasar turned out the lamp, left everybody in darkness. 
The people then quit it. Because why did you do that? Hamdun Qasar Rahmatullah said, as long as he was alive, the lamp was his property. It now belongs to his heirs. Those it is forbidden to use it without their consent. So what was he really getting across? Was he talking about a lamp? No. Obviously, you know, a person dies, the things get distributed to their rightful heirs. But he was getting the message across. He goes, look, he's dead. Soon as he dies, it's gone. So I turned it off. Why? Because we will be questioned about that. Now think about that. What mindset did the Oliya have? Do we think like that? Right? He thought, this isn't his lantern now. So we're using somebody else's property. It's forbidden. Turned it off. And then he explained. This is the reality of the world. In the words, look how quickly wealth leaves you. Instantly. It's gone. Subhanallah, such is the reality of this temporal life. You know, Subhanallah. This is why it is a very famous hadith. The hadith is in Sayyid Muslim. Where the Prophet ﷺ said, The child of Adam says, Mali, Mali. My wealth, my wealth. But all his wealth is what he's ate, what he's wore, and what he's given. The rest is not his wealth. Now think about that. So let's apply it now. You've got an X amount of money in the bank. Islamically, is that yours? No. Do you believe that? If you just said it, you could lie to me. Right? Think about it. You know, this just coming out of your mouth. But really, it's mine. Your heart said that, didn't it? Right? So now, who's telling the truth? Rasulullah or you? Meaning, it hasn't entered the heart. Even though it's in your name, nobody can take the money. It's your, but Islamic, you're not bothered about it in worldly sense. Have you ate it? No. Have you drank it? No. Have you given it? No. It's not your wealth, the Prophet said. So what is it then? So Amir al-Mu'mineen Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu said, you are the caretaker. And then he smiled. He goes, there's an immaculate caretaker. So they asked him, why are you smiling Amir al-Mu'mineen? And he said, the immaculate caretaker looks after it and gives it without getting paid to others. So think about it. If you give something to somebody, please look after it. And let's say he's looked after it for 30 years. And then he gives it faithfully to the person he's supposed to give it. For 30 years, did he get paid? No. Because that is your likeness with your wealth. If you're a fool, you're an immaculate caretaker. Meaning you, you didn't even invest it. You just kept it on hold. Gave it to somebody else. And this is why the companions just got rid of their wealth. But the funny thing was, the, the more quickly they got rid of it, the quicker it came back to them. And that's the reality. This is also Iman. The Prophet said, Sadaqah, I swear an oath. Sadaqah does not decrease your wealth. Now, what did he, why did he swear an oath? That's interesting. Because it's not logical. It doesn't make sense logically. You give, you've lost something. Because I've given, you know, 20 pounds, it's gone. I will get it back. But what does he mean I'm going to get it back in the world? That's Iman. Where is the clearest proof that you get it back in the world? 
the sahaba right no point giving a bayan in it you know you think where did he get all this money from 100 camels 200 camels 3000 dinars is he where is he getting it from because he's trying to get rid of it it's coming back twice as fast so they were living examples of that and when they were given it who were they giving it to themselves mali mali have you spent it yes he spent it now they've got it they've banked it <laughs> So think about it. At this moment, how much have you banked? Look how strange it is. This this is why the child of Adam is a strange creation. The Quran says the Imam recited in Isha, "You love the immediate. You hibbun al ajina. You love the immediate, and you leave behind yoman thakila, a heavy day. So what does it mean? You love the immediate in Surah Insan." the dunya because you have this love for it but by loving the dunya you're leaving behind a heavy day what's the heavy day the day of judgment right so again note all of this is deduced from these famous reports of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam another thing we should reflect upon when you're in the grave even if you put the most powerful lights fluorescent lights Will that make a difference to the person if he is unsuccessful? His grave will still be pitch black. So we're not talking about what and bulbs. We need light. What's interesting? Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu. He relates that our beloved Messenger said, "Sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the believer's grave is expanded for him." 70 cubits by 70 it is then illuminated for him this is recorded in tabarani hakim ibn hiban graded hasan in sahih at-tarhib number 3561 so very interesting wording this indicates the illumination takes place after you've passed because the prophet clearly said the believer's grave is expanded 70 by 70 cubits then it is illuminated so the nur is given when you've passed the test why because now the grave has become a garden of paradise right so the nur is given by allah so now think about that where is it coming from there's no sun you know we think day night you're in the grave so not we can't use physics allah the light is illuminating the grave The dua that the believers make for each other causes nur to enter the grave. How do we know? In Sahih Bukhari, number four, 458, 460, 1337, Sahih Muslim, number 956, our beloved messenger told his companions, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, indeed these graves engulf their dwellers with darkness. And indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala illuminates them because of my dua for them. So look at the word. People, you ask them to go into a haunted house. Not do any brother. Why? Because he's scared. He's petrified. So let me ask you a question. Is a haunted house more petrifying than the grave? So why are you more fearful? Then a place that has got jinn in it. 
Then you agree. Something's gone wrong. What's gone wrong? Again, it's understanding. We haven't got understanding. Whether well, companion scared of jinn. For instance, there's a report. The hadith is in Tabarani, Al-Haytami, Majma Al-Zawaid, Hayat Al-Sahab. A Sahaba was traveling and there was a valley known for the jinn, mischievous jinn. And these jinn would kill people who would spend the night in that valley. So the Sahaba, he pitched camp there and he had noises. When he heard the noises, he recited this verse. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Hudu billahi min shaitan rajeem, إِنَّ رَبَّكُمُ اللَّهُ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ فِي سِتَّةِ أَيَّامٍ ثُمَّ اسْتَوَى And then it continues. إِنَّ رَبَّكُمُ اللَّهُ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ And it's a verse in Surah An'am or A'raf. When he recited that verse, the voices said, God, morning came on his way. And when he went to the other side of the valley, people were shocked. Because where did you just come from? Mm. So he came from that valley. Because nobody comes from that valley. Mm. So what do we learn from that report? The Sahaba knew how to get the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Were they scared of a valley infested of jinn? They didn't give a monkeys. Now put yourself in the same situation. You're traveling. Somebody goes, don't come there, brother. Why? Jinn will take a platoon off. Next minute, brother, show me another way. And he goes, oh, you're a Muslim. And he goes, yeah, but you just had this jinn there. Why are you petrified? Because this is the weakness of Iman. The grave is something you need to be worried about. Because it's pitch black. Pitch black. How are you going to get nude in the grave? Right? People got claustrophobic. They're scared of enclosed spaces. They're scared of the darkness. You got both. And the du'as of the believers illuminate the grave. Whenever we made a du'a, the Allah Ta'ala illuminates the grave of so-and-so. Have you made that du'a? Right? And people even find it a strange du'a. Why are you making that du'a for? <coughs> the Prophet made it. Who are we not to make that du'a? That Allah Subhanallah. From the hustle, bustle, laughter and company of others to the stark solitude and darkness of the grave. Contrast. Think of those parties that people are enjoying now. You know, lights flashing everywhere, people dancing, you know, whatever. And then think, these same people are going to be in the grave. What a contrast. Right? What a contrast. Wouldn't it be rather better to be in darkness now and be nude in the grave? There's actually a report which mentions those who offer tahajjid in the darkness of the night, they have the most brightest faces. So why does Allah Ta'ala give bright faces to those who offer the prayer at night? There's a sign. Allah Ta'ala is telling you, I'm giving them noon in the world. What do you think I'm going to do in the grave for them? Subhanallah. Also, what else? Where do the souls reside after they are successful? So I mentioned briefly that they are in the fifth heaven or in the seventh heaven. I should have mentioned this. And you can be excused for thinking this. When I said that they reside in the fifth and seventh heaven, did you think of a small number of believers? Imagine you think that. Guess what? 
the mass of the believers are there. The fraction are on the here. How many, how many believers are there? How many believers have passed since the time of Adam? So when I said in the fifth or seventh heaven, the vast multitude of believers are there. Here is where the small party is. So this is very important to keep in mind. But where are they? What are they doing there? Apart from waiting to see the recent deceased. It is mentioned in reports that the believer's soul is turned into a bird that dwells in paradise and eats from its fruits. In Ibn Majah Tabarani in his Kabir, Grailed Sahih in Sahih Al-Jamin number 1560, Qa'ab ibn Malik, he relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Indeed the believer's souls are within green birds eating from the trees of paradise. Subhanallah. Indeed the believer's souls are within green birds eating from the trees of paradise. So it's the soul. <laughs> Where do the souls of the believers reside? The Prophet told you. In green birds. What are they doing? They're eating from the trees of paradise. What's in the fifth realm? Sidratul Muntaha. What's in the seventh? Sidratul Muntaha. When you think of a tree, what animal do you associate with it? A bird. Right? So, the souls of the believers are in green birds. So, look how interesting. You've left your body. You've entered a green bird. But the green bird is eating from the trees of paradise. Look how interesting that is. In another report, our beloved messenger said, Indeed, a believer's soul is a bird that eats from the trees of paradise. Until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala restores it into its body on the day when he resurrects him. This is in Imam Malik's Muwatta Nasai, graded Sahih, in Sahih al Jami, number 2373. Wording is slightly different. The Prophet said, The believer's soul is a bird. The previous report says it's put into a green bird. Now it mentions it's a bird. So, what does that mean? Does it mean it's become a bird, the soul? Or does it mean it's been placed into a green bird? So some scholars say they're two different. There's different ranks amongst the believers. The highest rank of the believers are the prophets. Their souls don't go into birds. <laughs> they remain in their blessed bodies. And they are in Firdos, in their bodies. <laughs> right? So this doesn't apply to the prophets. What about the martyrs? The Prophet said, Hakim Sahih. I saw Hamza radiallahu lying on a couch in paradise. So was he a green bird? No. He's also in his body in paradise. I saw Ja'far flying with the angels in paradise. So the companion martyrs, they're in their bodies. So what do you notice? If the believer has a higher maqam, he's honored more in the barzakh. But Generally speaking, the believers are taught about here. So let's say these are probably believers who've died, lived a righteous life and died. But the martyrs are given more honor because of their sacrifice with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
The unbelievers' souls, where do they go? We know that they are placed in Sijin, a deep, tight prison. But, this is very important, there is no authentic hadith mentioning where the souls are placed. There are weak reports mentioning blackbirds. Others mentioning frightening creatures or whatever form. But they are weak. So what we can say is they are placed in Sijin in the prison. Whether they are placed in animals or anything, Allah Ta'ala knows best. The hadith aren't authentic. But there are some reports indicating that. So now, which realm is the unbeliever's soul not allowed to enter? Okay. End of the first or the second. But there's a hadith in Bukhari and Muslim. Amongst the souls that Rasulullah saw on the Mihraj, next to Adam, in the first realm, were the souls of the unbelievers. This seems to contradict what has been said, that the souls of the unbelievers are never admitted to the heavens. So when you go to the famous hadith of the Mihraj, Rasulullah enters and he sees Adam, and he's looking to his right and left, and he looks to his left, these are the unbelieving souls. But doesn't that contradict? The souls of the unbelievers are allowed to enter. Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani explained, Rahmatullah in Fat al-Bari 1-598, he said those in the first heaven, the first realm, were probably the souls of his children who had not yet been born in the worldly life at the time. Subhanallah. So when Adam was looking to the right, he smiled because these were the children who passed. He looked to his left, he's weeping. These were the unbelievers. They have not been born as yet. That's what Ibn Hajar said. That's why they're there. But once they are born, they live an unrighteous life, die without Iman, they are not allowed to enter. So if a person poses the question, what are they doing up there? The response is, Ibn Hajar said, this is before they have been born. And that's why he weeps, because this is the decree of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah. Also, the martyrs, the hadith in Abu Dawood Sayyid mentions that they are under the arsh in the chandeliers. They are under the glorious arsh in the chandeliers. And there's thousands of chandeliers. The scholars, they state that in one of those chandeliers under the arsh is this universe, this creation. So, I'm paraphrasing the hadith. What? Right? So, you got a chandelier. I know what a chandelier is. You know, it's like a light. So, it's not a chandelier what you think it is. It's basically a, a container for an, um, a huge creation. Like the universe. The martyrs are in those chandeliers. And they can move from one chandelier to another. So where are they allowed to traverse? They can go to paradise. They can go to other universes or other realms, whatever they wish. Mm. 
Look at the honor given to the martyrs. <laughs> Only one place they are not allowed to return. That is to the world. <laughs> they want to return to get martyred again. But Allah goes, no. I promised that once you die, you don't return. So look at the incredible honor for the martyrs. You know, Allahu Akbar. And what's interesting, green. You know, even the martyrs, green birds. Why is this color green? You know, the green is the color of the heavens. Are you paradise? When Allah describes paradise in the Quran, he mentions green frequently. And even when he talks about the honorable souls, green birds, enter green birds eating from the trees, the green foliage. Allahu Akbar. That's why the Prophet himself loved the color green. When he saw Jibreel what happened? Jibreel had 600 green wings. His wings are green. You know, people think, oh, he's why? That's fairy on top of Christmas tree, brother, right? 600 wings, green. Right? And he was sitting on green cushions, the Prophet said. Look at this fascination of green. And what's interesting, Rasulullah was born in which season? Spring. And what is that season called? The season of greenery. Why was he born in the season of greenery? Because he gave life. And inshallah, we will spend one more session tomorrow in which I will discuss what deeds, inshallah, by the grace and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we can pass on to our deceased believing folk. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi ismanika Allahumma bihamdika ashtulai ilaha illa anta astaghfirika atubu alayka wa dhikur lahim nashat anjim Subhanallah rabbi kalaf bil izzati wa nama sallam 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 wa nama sall